Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right, welcome to another episode of Talking Ball with Pat Leonard. I am the Giants beat writer and NFL columnist for the New York Daily News. Before we get into this week's episode, I want to tell you about Bet Online. BetOnline.ag is your number one source for all your basketball info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds, news, and info for everything March Madness and NBA this year. From the Final Four to the NBA playoffs, BetOnline is your sports information headquarters this season. If you love sports info, score, news, and podcasts, you can find everything at BetOnline. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Be sure to use your promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. And where we start is with some breaking news that I posted first on my Instagram account, at PL on NFL, and on my Twitter handle, at P Leonard NYDN. And that is that Dexter Lawrence, the Giants' standout defensive tackle, will not be reporting for the start of the team's offseason program on Monday, April 17th, according to sources. Saquon Barkley, of course, also uh, in a different situation, but similarly not planning on reporting for the start of the Giants' offseason program. He can't report, is not eligible to report if he does not sign his franchise tag tender. So he is not signing that 10.1 or so million franchise tag tender prior to that date and therefore is not eligible to show up. That was first reported by Kim Jones of Newsday. So the interesting part here for Giants fans, obviously, and in the NFC East, you look at this, this is two of the Giants' best players. If you look at last season, including Andrew Thomas, you look at how Daniel Jones played, but Dexter Lawrence and Saquon Barkley obviously both were huge parts of the Giants getting back to the playoffs and winning a playoff game last season in the first year of Joe Shane and Brian Dable, this new regime. So that's two of the top players in Brian Dable's program now not reporting for the start of year two. Obviously not ideal. What's most fascinating to me is that Dexter Lawrence is a defensive tackle and the defensive tackle market you, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to look around and see how much it has exploded in a positive way for players. Saquon Barkley, though, and this is what's so interesting and why I think the running back situation for the Giants is so intriguing. The running back market, conversely, it has depreciated and it already in the modern NFL is a position that has been devalued. And now you look at the way running backs have gone this year, the way that contracts have gone uh, Miles Sanders deal was treated like a huge deal, but only averages in the $6 million range and not exactly a ton of guaranteed money. I want to say it was 13 million or so. Uh, but the bottom line is that $10.1 million number that Barkley is under right now is something that GM Joe Shane is on record saying that he is comfortable carrying. If Barkley does not want to play on the tag and refuses to, you can always end up trading a player who is on the tag, as long as that player first signs his franchise tag tender. So he has to sign the tender, then that makes him officially a part of the team and eligible to be traded. Barkley could steer a trade by saying, I'm only going to sign my franchise tag tender if you trade me here. So he could actually have a semblance of control. 
The Giants and Barkley both have said they hope it doesn't get there. John Mara would not say definitively that that won't happen, but he said it's not what they want. They're not looking to do it. Uh, they want him here for life. They want him to be a giant for life. Barkley has said that too. But words are one thing, actions are another. And Barkley and his agents had tried to get a $16 million uh, a year contract, multi-year deal in that range, uh, compensatory with what Christian McCaffrey makes at the top of the running back market. Joe Shane and the Giants had offered between 12 and $12.5 million a year on a multi-year deal. And that was turned down by Barkley and his representatives twice, once in November and again in January. So now that offer, that initial offer from the Giants is off the table. And um, it's extremely interesting that while Barkley, of course, we see him out there working in Arizona with Daniel Jones and the skill players um, and putting in the work with the team and being a part of the team in that respect, Saquon's only leverage, his only remaining leverage in this entire situation was to not show up at this juncture. The, the main and really only pressure point between now and the start of training camp is uh, mid-July. So yes, there's the mandatory mini camp in June. Of course, um, you know, right now what Lawrence and Barkley will be missing at the start of the offseason program, if it drags into OTAs, all of that is optional work. Of course, the mandatory mini camp in mid-June, that can become an issue. Players can get fined for skipping a mandatory uh, camp in that respect. Uh, but once you get to mid-July, for Barkley, that's a pressure point because when a player is franchise tagged like he is by the Giants right now, you have until July 17th this year for the Giants and Barkley to work out a long-term contract. Otherwise, if he's going to remain a Giant, he has to play on that franchise tag, that one-year deal. So that is the pressure point for the Giants and for Barkley is really mid-July, July 17th. Uh, what's that, about a week before training camp? be interesting to see if it drags that long. Wouldn't surprise me if it does, but of course there uh, will be other cap machinations. Lawrence and Barkley both are players who, if their contracts get done, those contracts could then help the Giants free up money for somebody else or for the other guy. As far as uh, you know, taking Barkley's $10 million cap hit this year and reducing it or taking Lawrence's $12 million cap hit this year and reducing it and kicking money down the road. Joe Shane has said that he doesn't want to do too much of that. He ideally wants to get out of that business that the Giants have been in and that got them in cap trouble in the first place. He also acknowledged, though, that down the road, they're probably going to have to do that. Uh, Andrew Thomas, the left tackle, is another player to keep an eye on in that respect. But bottom line here, um, and the news, of course, of the day and of the late week is that Barkley and Lawrence, two of the Giants' top players, won't be reporting uh, for the start of off-season program under Brian Dable and Joe Shane, both because of their contract situations. Now, moving on uh, real quickly, I know he's become a regular topic around here, and that's because uh, Odell Beckham Jr. was uh, nearly about to play in New York again. Um, not to, not to you know, go over it too much, obviously, and re-litigate re it, but just to share information we have on how he ended up with the Baltimore Ravens, a couple things. Number one, uh, this was the highest bidder by far. 
the Ravens giving him $15 million that can get up to $18 million, according to a source. That's $3 million in incentives available. Um, $13 million, I think it's $13.8 in signing bonus and one in change in base salary. The Giants were never going to come near that. The reason the Giants remained a factor and interested uh, until the end was because uh, there was a chance that his market was never going to develop at all. And Beckham's market did not develop significantly for some time. And that's why it dragged on. The Ravens are paying him way more money than anyone around the league expected Beckham to get. Great job by Zeke Sandhu, his agent, sticking to his guns and getting Beckham the money he felt he deserved. I don't understand the Ravens spending that much money because I feel that they outbid any other suitors by a lot here. Um, we don't know exactly the number that the Jets were throwing at Odell or what they could have done to get closer to the numbers that the Ravens got him. But you have to think based on everything I know and who I talk to that any deal anywhere else was going to be much more incentive laden and not include the kind of guaranteed money that the Ravens are giving Beckham. Um, it's a several year deal to add. They added void years on the back end to spread the cap hit of their 13.8 signing bonus. But the bottom line is, even though the Jets would have loved to have him and Rodgers would have loved to have him, um, they weren't going to spend that. The Giants certainly were never going to spend that. Beckham, in the end, I also am surprised he chose Baltimore because, frankly, I knew that he wanted to come back to New York in an ideal, perfect world. He would have loved to be a Giant again. Um, you know, financially, it didn't work out. I still thought, frankly, he was going to, um, you know, bite the bullet there. It, but that was in the that was in the circumstance in the situation of if a Ravens type deal didn't come up, didn't happen, didn't develop. So once the Ravens put this kind of money on the table, the Giants weren't a factor. Um, and fascinating, of course, that um, that he cho- chooses Baltimore, a team that, frankly. You know, the the AFC North is no joke, and obviously Beckham is a great player, but uh, playing the Steelers twice a year, going up against the Bengals now, um, who are, the you know, among the class of the NFL year in and year out, uh, with a great defense there, led by uh, Lou Anarumo, the defensive coordinator, nearly became a head coach this year, Joe Burrow at quarterback, um, who knows what the Cleveland Browns are going to be, but uh, I think it's going to be an interesting acclimation period here for Beckham. I will say this, it became clear to me talking to people that, uh, you know, Beckham made this decision also with an eye on envisioning and believing that the Lamar Jackson situation was going to work out. Like there was confidence that Lamar Jackson would be the quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens, throwing the ball to Odell Beckham Jr. And that along with the money is what got this contract done ultimately and the reason why Beckham um, is is headed to Charm City. Now, uh, we're going to keep this podcast cast tight, but of course, uh, I want you to go back and listen to my conversation with Emery Hunt of Football Game Plan and CBS Sports uh, because that will help you stay in NFL draft mode. If you didn't already, we just published it. It's on our YouTube page. Um, it's on Apple and Spotify. And before I let you go, Um, I want to tease a little bit on the NFL draft this way. First of all, three things, and this is all Giants related. We're going to stick to the Giants today primarily. Number one, I think that outside corner is a position that's not being talked about enough with the Giants in this draft. 
Um, they should ideally, in my opinion, if everything was the same and they were able to get either an elite corner, an elite receiver, or an elite interior offensive lineman with their first round pick, I think there is a strong argument that that position should be corner on this roster. Now, that said, um, a lot of the top corners people believe are going to go early and ahead of the Giants pick. That's part of their problem at the receiver position too, uh, with guys like Jackson Smith and Jigba and Jordan Addison, uh, people anticipating that they will not be on the board when the Giants pick. Um, I know, I think people have overrated in a lot of places, this receiver class, as far as how many guys are going to go in the first round. But when you talk about if you're picking at 25 where the Giants are, you want to get a stud. And if not, can you get a stud interior offensive lineman or corner instead when there's not a stud number one first round wide receiver talent there available, but there are guys you like um, in the second, in the third round, et cetera. So John Michael Schmitz, uh, the center for Minnesota is a player that could fit that bill. Now um, I said we would stick to giants, but obviously as we cover the whole league here, my reporting here on, on Schmitz took me all around the league. And frankly, the Giants have not been hottest on his heels, even though they've been very interested and remain interested. The Jets and the Seattle Seahawks have been all over John Michael Schmitz with top 30 visits, private workouts. Uh, you know, uh, he came in to visit the Jets, he visited the Vikings, he visited the Pittsburgh Steelers. And if you look at what all of his Zooms, his Zoom interviews with head coaches and his private workouts and his in-person visits, you'll see a pattern. And the pattern is that the teams are pretty much selecting anywhere between, you know, 20, 21, 22 overall and uh, the top 10 picks of the second round. The Jets are um, the exception in the sense that they are picking higher up in the draft and then they have the two, they have, I think, 13, and then they have two in the second round in the early 40s. One of them, most people expect, would be included in the Aaron Rodgers trade. But if the Jets wanted to go get John Michael Schmitz, they probably would have to trade up. Now, the Seahawks are dangerous um, and really could end up being his destination because they have two firsts, two seconds, and one of their first round picks is 20 overall. And John Schneider, their GM, is well known for... Uh, trading back and doing so effectively, getting the players that he wants still and accruing more assets in the process. So John Michael Schmitz is interesting because, you know, you look at receiver in this draft and is there a blue chip, sure thing, go get him, Justin Jefferson type? No, there is not. Um, you know, in this draft, is there a quarterback who is that? You know, if there is one, it's Bryce Young and that would be it. Everybody else, if they're talented, if they're exciting, if they have upside, um, you know, is flawed and people have different opinions of. John Michael Schmitz is an interesting prospect in this draft because even though it's not at the premium position of corner, um, quarterback, you know, uh, edge rusher, being a center in this day and age of the NFL, you know, teams recently uh, from the Chiefs taking Creed Humphrey in the second round, the Saints taking Eric McCoy in the second round, the Baltimore Ravens taking Tyler Linderbaum just last year in the first round. And all three of those guys last season factored in the top three of either run block or pass block win rate. 
And so where the Giants are with Daniel Jones, you want a guy who can start and contribute now because you've seen John Feliciano and Nick Gates. You've let them both walk out the door. So yes, you have guys on the roster who can technically play center like a Ben Bredesen. But you know, I thought Bredesen actually was excellent uh, when he played at guard last year, uh, played his best ball that I had seen when he's been in New York. And I like him in the rotation at guard. I, I don't want him back at center. I like him at guard. Um, and so you look at that and you say, the Giants need a center for now, and they also need one for the future. What better way than to get a guy like John Michael Schmitz, who spent six years at Minnesota, including a redshirt season. So he has a lot of experience. And so putting him in right away, throwing him into the fire, not a big deal. And also he can grow with your franchise quarterback who you just signed to a long-term extension. I think that'd be a great fit for the Giants. The Jets... What do they need? They need to improve their offensive line immediately because of Aaron Rodgers. Eventually, we think, likely, most likely soon, uh, coming to New York, coming to Florham Park, being the quarterback. And so they need a center. They need a starting center. And, um, you know, having the draft capital that they do and looking at this class, uh, you know, Schmitz isn't the um, only center to look at in this draft. Um, obviously, there is. Um, there's Tipman from Wisconsin. There's Luke Whipler from Ohio State. Uh, Whipler's another guy the Giants have shown interest in. Um, you know, all three of those guys, depending on how the draft moves for all of these teams, those are likely top two round guys. Maybe Whipler ends up being um, a third rounder, but, you know, late second, early third. Uh, so, any way that this draft goes, I think keep those guys on your radar for both the Giants and the Jets because they need to improve those interior offensive lines. Obviously, you look at the Seattle Seahawks as well, a team that just got a couple tackles last year, young tackles that they're going to uh that they hope are going to be bookends for a long time and looked extremely promising. They have a lot of capital and if they can get a guy like Schmitz or one of these young centers in right away for the long haul, you're looking at a, an improved offensive line now for Geno Smith and also down the road for the team that you are building. Uh, we're really excited for all the content we're going to be bringing to you uh, throughout the next couple of weeks, the next couple of months, and into next season. A lot cooking. I want to tell you, be, be aware of our YouTube channel. Um, I'm going to publish and start a Facebook page as well, exclusive for our Talking Ball and uh, you know Facebook sh you know shorts and quick videos, updates, live content. We're going to start regular live videos on my YouTube page at PL on NFL. We will continue our weekly podcasts. We'll have a guest next week. And obviously the NFL draft is right around the corner. Now, um, Joe Shane will be talking to us next week, the giants general manager in person, and we will see hopefully, and I think this is something to keep an eye on. You're going to probably see a busy NFL draft night on the trade front because or whether it's the day before, the day of, or the night of. The Aaron Rodgers trade, you expect that the draft will be the pressure point. Um, you look at the Lamar Jackson situation, and if any team is going to make a move, it's it's got to happen. It's now or never. Um, it doesn't look like that's going to happen now. The signs are pointing towards um, you know, Odell thinks Lamar Jackson's going to play there. Lamar Jackson's talking to him on the phone, re partially recruiting him. But 
the NFL draft is a pressure point for a lot of these things. Not to mention, and we'll get into this next week and the week of of the draft, but after one at Carolina, which looks like it could be Bryce Young, Houston at, at number two, Arizona at number three, these are both potential trade spots. This is a draft where teams are going to surprise you with who they take, even in round one, because it's going to be a little bit like well, we only have 18 first round grades on players. And so we're going to go get our guy or we're going to bail out once all our guys are off the board and we're not going to overdraft for something that is a a player who is not as valuable as what we have on our draft board. So I think you're going to see a lot of movement. Of course, Anthony Richardson, the quarterback from Florida is one of the most intriguing players because nobody knows, first of all, uh, how quickly he might acclimate, but also who's going to go get him and take the bait on the high upside of his enormous athleticism um, and talent. Uh, But like I said, if you're a Giants fan, study the corners, study the receivers, study the interior offensive linemen. That doesn't mean there aren't other positions they're looking at. You still need reinforcements at safety. Um, Corner uh, Drafting one corner isn't enough, in my opinion. The secondary needs major work. The interior offensive line, maybe a young left guard, who can challenge Josh Azudu, rotate with Ben Bredesen, and even challenge Mark Lewinsky at right guard. You need to continually push guys and not hand people um, hand people jobs in order to not only stay good, but get better. Um, and the, I'll leave you with this. The Giants wide receiver need still exists. Darren Waller um, was an important addition, an, ex- an exciting one. A fairly low risk one, considering you're giving up a late third round pick, uh, but you are spending 11 million this year on this player. And so far, the Giants' skill position group, it's talented. You have good players like Isaiah Hodgins and, and Darius Slayton. You've added good players like Paris Campbell um, and a, a veteran in Jamison Crowder. Who knows what you're going to get out of him? Obviously, had uh, was a good player when he's been healthy in his career. Um, and you, you know, you have a tight end room now that you've added Tommy Sweeney to as well. And Lawrence Cager, frankly, I think is intriguing as a tight end who looks and moves and, uh, catches the ball more like a wide receiver, uh, still a developing player, but the giants still don't have a number one receiver. And I know that, um, this off season market, the free agent market, the draft market lent itself to the point where the giants felt like, okay, Waller was maybe, um, a smarter move than trying to count on one of the either top receivers who look too expensive on the trade market or noticing that that star wide receiver in the draft didn't exist. But I just look at this Giants roster. I look at the weapons Daniel Jones has. You look at Saquon Barkley not showing up for the start of the offseason program. And I'm just here to tell you it's not good enough yet. And I know the Giants know that. They're having all these receivers in. Um, you know, guys in for top 30 visits, they've gone and spent time with them and had dinners with these players. Uh, there's a, a lot to like about this class as far as speed, talent, uh, players who can help the Giants. You can see how their skills, um, you know, translate to maybe to Brian Dable's offense, but who goes ahead of them? Um, who is worth a first round pick? Is a receiver worth a first? It, are you going to get that guy? Um, in the second. And if you get a second round receiver who's speedy, but more one dimensional, uh, how dramatically is that improving your offense in the here and now? 
And so um, I would just say corner is a position I think needs to be looked at closely, but don't ignore receiver. And I know, I know fans um, are well aware of this, but I'm actually proud of the Giants fans for staying on the franchise to to keep hunting for more weapons and wide receivers because I feel like usually at this time, if the Giants looked like they were resting on their laurels, I feel like the fan base would agree. But right now, everybody seems to know, I think, that you need to keep reinforcing this and keep adding weapons for Daniel Jones to continue ascending and to validate the contract the Giants gave him. That'll be it this week for Talking Ball with Pat Leonard. Thanks for tuning in. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe where you're listening or where you're watching on YouTube, whether it's on my page or on the Believe Sports uh, YouTube page as well. I am at PL, at PL on NFL, easy for me to say, at TikTok and Instagram and on YouTube. And I am at P Leonard NYDN on Twitter. A lot more content coming your way on Believe on Believe Sports, on the New York Daily News website, and on my social media. Talk to you guys soon. Enjoy the NFL offseason as it continues to roll on because there just aren't that many off days in the offseason. Draft coming up. See you soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.